Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and blessings and welcome to another installment of the Gist for Freedom of Space. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who with faith and focus are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Good evening, everyone. My name is Preston Washington. I'm your host this evening for the Guest of Freedom coming to you over at www.blocktalkradio.com. You can also pick up the show via www.blackhistoryblock.com. Tonight we're going to be talking about the book, Twelve Years a Slave, written by Solomon Northup, who was kidnapped in the North, taken south, sold into slavery. Uh, My guest tonight will be Renee Moore, founder of the Solomon Northup Day in Saratoga, New York. Also, I want to advise the audience that you can pick up these shows via iTunes, free of charge at blackhistoryuniversity.com. Good evening, Renee. How are you? Oh, good evening, Preston. How are you? I'm good. I'm fine. I'm glad Glad to to be here again. And glad to have you here tonight at this uh, very interesting subject on Mr. Solomon Northup. And uh, you're the founder, 15 years ago, of the Solomon Northup Day there in Saratoga. How did you get involved in that? What was your motivation for starting that day? Well, a couple of things was my motivation. I was motivated by uh, viewing the... Union College exhibition in 1999 at Knott Memorial, which was put together by Cliff Brown and a team of research students in the of the Poli Sci Department. And when I viewed that exhibit and found out that this man had history in the city of Saratoga Springs, I thought that it was necessary to bring attention to his life and thereby attention to the fact that African-Americans did, in fact, um, live and work in this city for a very long time, that we, in fact, had history uh, here. I'd heard so many times from visitors who would say to me, oh, I didn't know black people even lived in Saratoga Springs, so we were kind of invisible here. It was a playground for the rich. Uh, (laughs) Yes, and more so today than before, I'm sure. Well, I I think probably always like that. With the gambling and the casinos, uh, certainly um, that's the case. Yes, now there's going to be a movie coming out, um, 12 Years a Slave. It's going to premiere in October, October the 18th. Uh, Share a little information with our audience in reference to that movie. Well, it's directed by Steve McQueen, uh, who is a British uh, director. He um, did uh, Shame and uh, some other movies. Uh, Prior to this, he's known as what I would call a more avant-garde kind of artsy director. And uh, it's produced by, uh, one of the producers is Brad Pitt, and Brad actually stars in the movie as well as uh, Michael Fassbender and some other people, Alfred Woodard, who uh, everyone knows her name, and Lapita Inyango, who is a born-in-Mexico um, Kenyan actress. And I believe she had a role in Constant Gardner or something. And Chiwetel Ejiofor, I believe I'm pronouncing that right, he was in Salt, and he was also in um, Inside Man with Denzel Washington, directed by Spike Lee, so that people might recognize his face through those other movies. Okay, and 
going to tell us a little bit about Solomon Northup. Who was Solomon Northup? Solomon North. Well, Solomon is a uh, was born a uh, he was born a free man. His father Mentes. I guess I should start with Mentes. Um, his father was an African uh, American slave who spent the early part of his life in service to the Northup family. That's where the name Northup comes from. They were originally from Rhode Island, and they uh, later relocated to Hoosick in Rensselaer County. And upon the death of uh, Mr. Northup, Mentis was manumitted in his will. And then Mentis moved to Minerva, where his son was born, um, and his wife. And um, they had two sons, Joseph and Solomon. I couldn't tell you about Joseph, but um, Solomon uh, obviously made his mark in the world. So um, Mentis was a, a farmer. Go ahead. Mentis was, uh, I'm sorry. Can you explain the word monumented to our audience? Oh, manumitted just means he was uh, given his freedom. He was a slave, and then he was, uh, upon the, the death of his uh, owner, was released. In other words, he was given his his freedom upon the death of uh, Mr. Northup. So... Solomon was born uh, born a free man and never had been a slave. But, of course, during this antebellum time, uh, apparently, at least according to Carol Wilson's book, which is uh, absolutely brilliant, by the way, um, her book clearly uh, states that during this time, a lot of many free blacks were kidnapped for money or abducted back into slavery. Uh, particularly in states uh, like Delaware, which is a slave state, but they would have stolen them many times from Pennsylvania, which would have been a free state, and taken south through there. So there were a lot of bounty hunters in Pennsylvania and a lot of uh, movement in Delaware on the way south uh, in order to uh, abduct which is really free labor back in support of the South. I always say if you follow the money trail, you you know uh, something about how slavery was supposed to work. What year was uh, Solomon kidnapped? Uh, 1841, we believe he was abducted from the very corner of Congress and Broadway, where the historical marker presently stands and is outside, directly outside, the visitor center, the city visitor center on the same corner. So everyone that comes down Broadway, which is like the old Route 9 and comes through the main town, see the historical marker. It's the first time an African-American has been so honored in the city of Saratoga Springs. And sort of as a faith, if you will, that there was a black presence uh, as early as 1800s. Now, was he abducted from Washington? Where was he abducted from? He was abducted from Saratoga, and then uh, he was, let's put it this way, he played his violin, and Brown and Hamilton, which we later found out was not their real names. It was um, Merrill, what was the other gentleman's name? Oh, I see. Um, yeah, Brown and it says Brown and Hamilton, but it's really Merle and another person. They they proposed an idea for him to play for the circus, and um, as a job, as a way of making money for his family, because he was a literate man and played the violin. In fact, he played the violin at the United States Hotel, which is a famous hotel uh, in in New York. It happened to be located here in Saratoga Spring. It was a very grand hotel, and so he made his living playing in quite a few places in Saratoga Springs. So they proposed an idea to him that he could make more money for his family by playing in Washington City. So he didn't even um, alert anybody because he figured he'd be back you know, right back. He did. He had no idea that in Washington he was going to be taken to uh, the Gatsby Hotel where he was drugged 
and then moved to a slave pen, which is directly across the street from the Hershorn Gallery at um, Independence and 7th in what they call William's slave pen and, and held there uh, in in a hole in the ground, basically in the dark. He woke up chained. So, um, you know, this is the history. He played at... Uh, there are several places on Broadway in Saratoga Springs, to digress a bit. He played, let me see, Washington Hall, Broadway Hall. Um, there's the Beverly um, and place we believe, uh, let's see. yes, the Waverly, I guess Waverly House. So he had a reputation in Saratoga of playing his his violin. And uh, he believed he could make money in it. They uh, proposed an idea, and he left. And that was the start of, I guess, his ordeal. Yeah, so he and his uh, entire family, or at least his father and brother, also played um, music. Were they not musicians? I don't have that. Um, I don't have that information on Mentis at all. I have him as a farmer. Okay. Well, how do you think mm-hmm. uh, how do you think Solomon learned to play the violin? I don't know. It was something that he probably learned as a child. I don't know. Maybe his father wanted him to learn it. His father uh, encouraged him to become educated, um, and maybe he afforded. Uh, uh, it seems like he afforded a, a good education for both his sons. So, um, as a farmer, so then. Uh, I don't know. Were the with, with both sons college graduates? I'm sorry? Were they both, uh, both he and his brother, Joseph, were they college graduates? Not that I know of, no. They were just literate. They could read and write. Okay. I know that he could read and write and play the violin, but I don't know that um, they, he attended any universities, you know, back then, because he was born in 1808, in uh, July, and actually we believe his autobiography was also published in July 1853. And so I founded Solomon North of Day and uh, with the help of um, Mayor Ken Klotz, uh, who approached the city council and uh, designated the third Saturday in July officially as uh, Solomon North of Day. And I've continued to make sure that the city acknowledges uh, his life and history, slavery history, abolitionism, as well as having the descendants come each year. And um, actually this year, approximately 60, 62 descendants, some of them meeting each other for the very first time, attended the the 15th event, which was held uh, at Skidmore College in Filene Hall this year. So we had a, a very nice venue. Yeah, that was quite a feat to get that many uh, descendants in attendance. Uh, moving back to Saratoga Springs here, tell us a little bit about the the black community there in Saratoga now. Is there um, is it a wealthy area? Well, before uh, urban urban removal, or urban renewal, if you want to call it that, and we say urban removal, uh, there was a larger black population. The black population, as the city has gotten more affluent, um, um, actually, I believe the black population has decreased. If you look at, uh, if you lump Hispanics, whites, and African Americans all in together, I think you get about three percent of the population. So. Founding Solomon North of Day was an interest of some people, and I'm, I'm, I undoubtedly made some enemies um, with some others because it wasn't exactly something that was embraced in the early years. As a matter of fact, having the film come out by uh, with Brad Pitt's name on it and other people's name on it is it's um, become a more popular story. But I, I insisted on starting it in 1999, 15 years ago, because I immediately recognized that 
this story was different and also it represented what had happened to many African and free, free blacks in the antebellum uh, history of the U.S. And that, in fact, slavery was right here in New York, which a lot of people don't realize. It was not considered a slave state, but we had slaves in New York and auction blocks and so on, if, uh, particularly down in the um, South Street Seaport was an auction, Wall, Wall Street, an auction block for slaves. So um, I wanted to bring a face to the to the community and have the community embrace it in a way that uh, they could feel free also to come and talk about uh, you know, I think history is good, but, you know, history for history's sake, that's nice, but what does this teach us about today or what understanding that we get, that we take away from it that gives us something that we can use today, I think is uh, pretty important. Yeah. Um, was there ever a, like a booming black community in that area? For example, um, is there any historical evidence of black presence there in Saratoga before Solomon? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, well, before Solomon, but certainly in the in the fifties, and uh, blacks came to Saratoga Springs. We had uh, um, as domestic workers also to work on the racetrack because before the turn of the century, the uh, jockeys were black men. And then that later that changed. So um, there is a history of blacks coming to Saratoga Springs to work. And as as the world evolved and work changed, uh, the nature of work changed. Um, uh, many uh, blacks in my age group and younger even, and certainly the older ones as they uh, achieved the college education, actually moved away in order to obtain employment because um, Saratoga Springs can be difficult for employment for people of color other than uh, racetrack, um, domestic workers, and so on. Are there any schools? There are public schools, but there are no private black schools. Um, there are Skidmore College here and also Empire State College is here and Siena and Union are not far from here, but there are no HBCUs, if, you know, in that manner. So, what about but the population was twelve percent? The population of blacks was as high as twelve percent at one time. Okay, I'm so sorry. Sir, go ahead. Uh, it's a small city. You mentioned farming, so the farming goes uh, goes on around the city there. Well, the farming that Memphis would have engaged in would have been up in Minerva, New York, which is Essex County. That's quite a bit further north oh, than okay. than here. And Solomon and his father would have worked in Fort Edward, where there is the uh, it's called the old Fort House Museum right now, but um, in Fort Edward. But believe that that um, his father and himself actually uh, lived in that house and worked on the. Champlain Canal, um, and that afforded uh, Solomon an opportunity to actually travel to Canada <clears throat> and so on. So, um, you know, that was pretty much the history. Hudson Falls, Anne Hampton, she was a uh, cook, uh, quite and a caterer, uh, a chef at the Glens Falls Hotel, and um, also at a cafe called Sheryl's. Mm-hmm. And Is there she any would have. Insert okay, now. What industry is there in that area? Um, right now there. Are, let me see. Um, we have the. Um, there's a foundry, which is a um, a chips factory about one exit outside the city, uh, GEs in Schenectady, the college and universities, uh, doctors, lawyers, a lot of retail and restaurants. Okay. Well, there and have been- smaller computer, 
smaller computer companies and the like, but uh, not a lot of heavy industry, a lot of of high-end retail and restaurants actually present, and a lot of empty condominiums, quite frankly. (laughs) That's another subject. What would the um, industry would have uh, looked like in Solomon's day? What would have been prevalent then? Uh, Yeah, heavy heavy gambling, casinos. There would have been, you know, casinos and roulette and all of that inside the hotels, like the United States Hotel. Like you said, the rich and famous came there, and they would have um, indulged in gambling, horse racing, um, prostitution, um, and there are... um, uh, Hall of Springs. We're called Saratoga Springs because we, in fact, do have uh, a bunch of free-flowing springs that actually uh, give water uh, year-round. They come okay. from deep down in the earth and sprout. Mm-hmm. And people yeah, came well, that, from... Go ahead. Yeah, it makes sense now that he would be an entertainer in that kind of environment. Yes. Uh, sort of a Las Vegas-type arrangement or New Orleans type arrangement there in Saratoga. Mm-hmm. Playground. So yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. these two guys come and approach him. Apparently he's playing his butt off. They lure him to Washington, D.C. under the pretense of uh, having uh, a musician type gig there. Winds up in a hole so once he's kidnapped, uh, where does he go from there? Where does he, well, he, where took, he they uh, first drugged him in a hotel, and I believe took him in the dark of night, and he woke up in the slave pen without his free papers because he had obtained his free papers to prove that he was a free man. So they drugged him, took his papers. He also, there were some other people, a woman and, and child in the slave pen with him, and then later... Um, they took him by boat, by ship, to um, Louisiana, stopping through, uh, what is it, Norfolk and and so on, and on the way down to uh, Louisiana. Okay. Now, about how old was he when he was kidnapped? And you said he had a wife. Did he have any children? He had three, two daughters and a son, Margaret, Elizabeth, and Alonzo, and his wife, Anne Hampton. So yes, two daughters and a son. So we do know, do we know about how old he was when he was kidnapped? Um, well, let me see if he was born in 1808 and abducted in 1841. Uh, whatever our math tells us on that one. Thirty-three. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and he's held in bondage for twelve years. Twelve years serving several uh different on several different plantations. They changed his name. His name was Platt for many years and uh he was beaten severely for even speaking that he was once a free man because apparently there was a a nice little bounty money for bringing in um blacks free blacks that would work mhm. Or making them work. Okay. And, uh, okay, so he's held in slavery for 12 years. How did, now, we understand that Anne was uh, instrumental in writing to the governor of New York. How did she come us to knowing that uh, he was being held in bondage and where he was being held? There were two letters posted, apparently. Uh, One letter, um, they don't know what happened to that letter, I don't believe, that first letter. Um, Or it went out there from, he posted that from a board ship to gave to someone to post for him. And I don't believe it ever got to the intended person. The second letter, he was able to have um, Samuel Bath, a Canadian carpenter who was working with him, who apparently um, uh, liked a good uh, debate on slavery. And uh, according to the autobiography, he had no 
love of slavery and agreed secretly to post the letter uh, for for Solomon. And that letter was posted to uh, Cephas Parker in Saratoga Springs. So the letter didn't go directly to Anne. It went to Park Parker. And it was Parker and Cephas, the Par- Cephas Parker, who, and Perry, these two people in Saratoga who he knew quite well, and they knew where to find Anne. And they went to Glens Falls to probably Cheryl's uh, cafe house, coffee house, and uh, told her about it. And then she approached Governor Hunt, I believe, and he, in turn, um, appointed uh, Henry B. Northup to um, go and uh, collect uh, Solomon, or at least try to find out where he was to get him back. I see. And um, he came pretty close to being hung. Um, yes. There at a... Uh, while he was being held in bondage there in Louisiana. Yes, he had run into Mr. Tibbetts, the master Tibbetts, who was um, quite a hostile and and brutal slave master. And he was saved by Mr. Chapin at the last moment, who basically reminded Mr. Tibbetts that he was, in fact, I believe, Ford's property and that he could not um, hang Solomon and so he interceded and stopped this this hanging that was about to happen and Ford apparently was a slave master as well but according to Solomon a more humane uh, master than Tibbetts or for that matter for Epps either both of those um, two uh, plantation owners seemed quite brutal in their uh, treatment of slaves. I think I have a passage here. Um, Yeah, I want to um, remind our listeners that... Go ahead. Yeah, he talks about the weight of slavery here in... um, In chapter 9, he says, um, Oh, how heavily the weight of slavery pressed upon me, then I must toil day after day, endure abuse and taunts and scoffs, sleep on the hard ground, live on the coarse fare, and not only this, but live the slave of a blood-seeking wretch, of whom I must stand henceforth in continued fear and dread. Why had I not died in my young years before God had given me children to love and live for? What unhappiness and suffering and sorrow it would have prevented. I sigh for liberty, but the bondsman chains was round me and could not be shaken off. I could only gaze wistfully towards the north and think of the thousands of miles that stretch between me and the soil of freedom over which a black free man may not pass. Wow. Um, And that was from, you said, Chapter 9 in the book? Yes. Okay. Um, I'd like to read also uh, from what Leslie Gist had posted on her Facebook page, and I'll remind our listeners that you should probably want to send her a friend request. Uh, oh, yes. yes. And you can do that at uh, uh, Leslie, that's L-E-S-L-E-Y, GIST, G-I-S-T. And uh, the uh, he describes also in his book uh, a scene where he was to be hung. And I want to uh, read a couple of paragraphs from that. Uh, what chapter are you in? I'm not sure what chapter. This is posted oh, okay. on Facebook Oh, about the hanging. That was early on, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Uh, Cross your hands, commanded Tibbets, with the addition of such a shuddering expression of blasphemy as it is not decorous to repeat. Now then, he inquired of Tibbets' companions, 
where shall we hang the nigger? One proposed such a lamb, extending from the body of a peach tree, near the spot where we were standing. His comrade objected to it, alleging it would break, and proposed another. Finally, they fixed upon the latter. During this conversation, and all the time that they were binding me, I uttered not a word. Overseer Chapin, during the progress of the scene, was walking hastily back and forth on the piazza. Rachel was crying by the kitchen door, and Miss Chapin was still at length as they were dragging me towards the tree. Chapin, who had momentarily disappeared from the piazza, came out of the house and walked towards us. He had a pistol in each hand, and as near as I can now recall to mind, spoke in a firm, determined manner as follows. Talk about the hanging incident, just do it. And uh, so I'll stop there. Now, yes. he mentioned a, a Rachel uh, was at the door watching. Do we know who that is? Um, could that have been such, it had to be somebody's wife. Might be Master's wife. Well, uh, okay, and the Mrs. Chapin, Chapin was the overseer. Mm-hmm, but um, Tibbetts was the one uh, trying to, and um, I believe uh, trying to actually hang him, and Chapin stopped the, the abuse and said, look, you don't own this slave, and I'm the only one that can tell him what to do because I'm the overseer. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think we should explain to our listeners, too, that what led up to this potential hanging was that um, Solomon had beaten um, another overseer, a local overseer there, to a pulp, practically, um, that he was getting ready to beat Solomon with a whip. And I guess Solomon had decided that he had had his last whipping and he wasn't about to take another. And so that's what led to uh, this proposal that he should be hung. And, Actually, uh, I believe that was Tibbetts. Yeah, Tibbetts. Tibbetts beating mm-hmm. football. He had a fight with Tibbetts, and he had an altercation with Tibbetts on more than one occasion. And I guess Tibbetts wanted to beat him with the whip, and um, Solomon stood up to him. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and bested him in a fist fight. I yes. think turned whip on him, according to uh, a passage in the book. Quite remarkable. Um, now, getting back to his freedom, and um, there was a law there in New York um, that had been passed in 1840 that his wife had relied on. Can you tell us a little bit about that law that she relied on? I don't know about the 1840. I know that in 1850 there was a uh, another fugitive slave act, or a, um, I'm not really sure. 1793 was a fugitive slave uh, law, but also in 1850. Um, I'm not sure, 1840. Yes, I believe New York State had passed a law where it was illegal uh, for anyone to be kidnapped and taken out of New York into slavery. Okay. And this, the anti, uh, the Fugitive Act was for anyone who had escaped from slavery, uh, going to the North, and then individuals would be uh, obligated to hold that person to be held in court uh, or be taken to court and try to be returned to uh, slavery. And there was a bounty. Uh, You know, people were paid for bringing escaped slaves in. And the 1850 Slave Act law was an update from the original uh, Fugitive Act that was passed in 1793. Mm-hmm. Uh, an act was 
that was actually a clause within the Constitution. Uh, but when Ann um, approached the governor, she was relying on the New York law of 1840. Okay. And that, and that she, um, you mentioned earlier something about Friedman papers. That, um, well, he, he, Solomon had free papers, so he, he got his papers. And he had his papers before he was uh, drugged at Gatsby and thrown into. So they took his papers before throwing him into the slave pen. Okay, but he had uh, he his uh, father, since he was monumented and uh, Solomon born free. Mm-hmm. Did she not have any paperwork establishing that? I don't know of no. It was her word and her association with um, Parker and Henry D. Uh, Af- um, you know, ability to um, uh, file the appropriate documents and so on to go on and uh, claim uh, and rescue Solomon. I don't know of any papers. As a matter of fact, Anne was not educated and would have only been able to put an X on documents if she did a letter. Somebody else wrote it for her. Oh, I see. Yeah, she would have gone. She would have, Cephas, uh, Parker, and Perry would have gone to her, and then she would have contacted the governor. She she, um, must have had some contact with these people because she was a uh, cook, uh, in an elaborate place like the Glens Falls Hotel where the judges and other people uh, came to eat and so on. So I think her contact was that. And then uh, Governor Hunt would have uh, supposedly uh, commandeered uh, uh, Henry B. to um, go about uh, finding out where Solomon was. And apparently he did run into... Um, on his way, he somehow ran into um, Bass, I believe, and was steered in the right direction as to what plantation uh, Solomon could be found at because they had changed his name. So, I mean, it could have taken a much longer time for Henry B. to even find out where Solomon was. So there was a number of lucky things or God-given uh taking control and um, allowing this uh, connection between Henry B. so that he went in the right direction. Because he says, uh, Solomon says that in his autobiography, if it not been for, if I can think of where it is. Um, While you're looking that up, I want to explain to our listeners uh, relative to the Fugitive Slave Acts the one in 1793 uh, required the kidnappers to get a warrant for the individual's arrest. So they had to go into court, present their evidence, get a warrant, and then the individual would be arrested. In 1850, that was changed that a warrant was no longer needed, no longer required. People could just be snatched up taken before the magistrate and uh, returned and no warrant required. Um, 1850 is uh, very significant in that uh, uh, gold was discovered in California and um, so that brought around or brought about the the change in those uh, in that uh, Fugitive Slave Act. Uh, from warrant required to no warrant required. Now, you were getting ready to share some more information with us. Yes, but here it says Messrs. Partner, Messrs. Parker and Perry, on receipt of the letter, forwarded immediately to Anne. On reading it, the children were all excited and without delay hastened to the neighboring village of Sandy Hill to consult Henry B. Northup and attain an advice and assistance in the matter. That's Hudson Falls. Sandy Hill is currently now Hudson Falls. Oh, yeah, here it says it was passed in eight, uh, May 14, 1840. 
and act more effectually to protect the free citizens of this state from being kidnapped or reduced to slavery. Uh, it provides uh, that it should be the duty of the governor upon receipt of satisfactory information that any free citizen or inhabitant of this state is wrongfully held in another state or territory of the United States upon the allegation or presence that such person is a slave or by color of any usage or rule of law is deemed or taken to be a slave to take such measures to procure the restoration of such person to liberty as he shall deem necessary. So Governor Hunt setting forth her marriage for departure to Washington City, the receipt of the letter that I was a free citizen and such other facts as were deemed important, was signed and verified by Anne. So she verified and signed. Um, and the letter, by the way, I have here in, in the book in uh, chapter... No. Uh, chapter 19. It's the day of August 15, 1852... It says, Mr. William Perry or Mr. Cephas, gentlemen, it having been a long time since I have seen or heard from you and not knowing that you are living, it is with uncertainty that I write to you, but the necessity of the case must be my excuse. Having been born free just across the river from you, I am certain you must know me, and I am here now a slave. I wish you to obtain free papers from me and forward them to me at Marksville, Louisiana. Parish is Evelines and oblige yours, Solomon Northup. So that's what the letter to uh, Perry and Parker that uh, Samuel Bass posted for him. And then they basically took it to Anne and then pursued it further. Yeah, so he was held in bondage for 12 years, so, and oh, this yeah. started the movement for his freedom. started around 1853, um, which um, I want to mention um, what else was going on then around that uh, California gold rush that I mentioned earlier, and it was mm-hmm. the Compromise of 1850. Um where the slave states agreed to admit California to the Union as a free state. And uh, so that brought about the um, motivation to um, pass that 1850 uh, Fugitive Slave Act. And it, in fact, started with the kidnapping uh, of a slave uh, from Pennsylvania. Now... Um, Oh, I found the passage, uh, if I may interrupt a second. It's sure. Um, uh, having obtained these valuable letters, he's talking about the letters that Henry B. North would have obtained, okay, for his uh, freedom. Uh, uh, North returned to Baltimore and proceeded from thence to Pittsburgh. It was his original intention under advice of friends at Washington to go directly to New Orleans and consult the authorities of that city. Providentially, however, on arriving at the mouth of Red River, he changed his mind. Had he continued on, he would not have met with Bass, in which case the search for me would probably have been fruitless. So there was some change of mind there, something interceded and changed his path, and he um, was then headed in the right direction because Louisiana is a fairly large state to be wandering around, don't know where you go. So this was very fortunate for Solomon. Yeah, and I believe his uh, his wife's letter is in uh, Chapter 21 of the book, and um, I understand that the book can be read online. Um. Can it be read online? I know there's um, an audio book, but I don't know that the whole book can be read online. Maybe so. You know, Google has all this stuff out here. Uh, yeah, there's all the, uh, modern, all the modern conveniences. <laughs> exactly, and there's probably, um, it probably can be read online. There may be a sentence or two uh, that has been changed. I think if one goes to www. 
uh, Doc South as D L C S O U T H dot U N C dot D D U. Okay, it sounds okay. like it's probably uh University of North Carolina, perhaps. Um and that edu, but it can be um, read. And that letter was laid before Henry D. Uh, Northrop, the statue of May 14, 1840s, and its provisions, uh, Anne's memorial to the governor, the affidavits that are accompanying it. And, oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah, do we know who Senator Soule, S-O-U-L-E-S, is? Does that uh, mm-hmm. did, he, did he play a role? Senator Soul. Well, what did I how did they? I don't. Oh, wait a minute. The wife of Saul. No. Mm-mm. I don't recognize the name. Sorry. Um, and I think the most important thing we should we shouldn't forget that people are still looking for where he is buried. We last have him. Uh, where his final resting place is. We last have him in uh, Canada. You know, he wrote his autobiography very quickly when he came back. It got published in July, uh, 1843. Uh, 1853, I'm sorry. And um, we're not sure whether he was kidnapped a second time or... um, there is record of him um, being in places like Vermont, uh, in Streetsville, Canada, in the summer of 1857, making an appearance. Uh, but we do know that the the uh, obituary for Anne Hampton, his wife Anne Northup, um, says that uh, when she died in, what was it, 1867, that Uh she died a widow, it refers to her. In the Saratoga Sentinel, August 17, 1876, it says that she has died a widow. So uh, we're not sure where his final resting place is, whether he went to Canada and just never came back from Canada and died of natural causes there, or, I mean, there are a number of, uh, or hopefully uh, he hopefully he wasn't abducted back into slavery, or he was killed by the people he tried to bring to trial. Uh, we had him in Vermont in the early 1860s, and one report is that he was impoverished and that he made have died uh, lying in an unmarked pauper's grave somewhere, and we don't know where. Yeah. So, um, Renee, you're be uh, you're to be commended for all the work that you've put into um, this effort and the holiday, and um, so much work, good work that finally brought these Hollywood heavyweights. And to make the movie. Um, well, and about his escape, uh, and I want to go back to that because I don't want our, our listeners to lose sight as to the importance of what his wife Anne was involved. And I believe the the governor uh, appointed an agent. Did he not? Yes, Henry B. Uh, Northup was the agent. Okay. Now, did that agent, did he then go to Louisiana or wherever he was being held at that time? Well, yeah, he was headed that way. He was obviously headed that way, and or he had gone that way. And, uh, you know, the passage I just read said that he uh, actually um, ran into Bath, it appears. In that passage that I just read, he was going to go one direction, and he changed his mind and ran into uh, Samuel Bass, and then was, and Bass told him exactly what plantation he was on. And so he was able to, um, you know, find Solomon that way. 
but was the um how was the agent invested with the power to bring Solomon back to the north? Was that the He would have been given that he would have been made an agent. He was an attorney and he would have been made an agent of uh by the governor, Governor Hunt. He was an attorney. As a matter of fact, his law office, by the way, not to cut you off, but his actual physical law office, as it st- as it stood um, back then, is now um, the building is for sale. I'd love for Brad Pitt to buy it and <laughs> put it and put and re- restore it because it is uh, it hasn't been. Um, properly marked or cared for as an historical building. Uh, Henry D's law firm office in um, Hudson Falls, formerly called Sandy Hill. Wow. Are you in the process of starting a drive to uh, get that <laughs> well, I found out from I found out from the real estate person it's it's the it's a tiny little hut. I mean it's it clearly is something that should be uh an historical museum of some kind because uh I understand from the real estate person it's for sale and it's for sales for something like twenty seven five. The previous people that bought it that didn't care that it was an historical house and they painted it purple, bright purple. <laughs> well, Sounds I mean, like I made that up. <laughs> Renee, you've been quite active in that community. Um, you got a day well, started, still going strong for for fifteen. I don't years. have Mister Pitt's address. If I had his address and I could get past the gatekeepers, what about, I would. What about I would. Uh, would what about the 62 descendants? Uh, a couple hundred bucks apiece or whatever. I don't know, but but 27-4, I'm thinking since Mr. Pitt is going to make some uh, great money on this film, that he could uh, afford to buy it and restore it and turn it into a uh, part of, uh, uh, making it into a little mini-museum as part of um, Solomon's uh, life story. I mean, what without Henry B. Oh, go ahead. What about the uh, National Park Service? Uh, I don't know. You know, Historic Trust for uh, National Trust for Historic Preservation should have been interested in the building, but I don't know. You know, I'm one person. I I founded this place 15 years ago. I'm not a nonprofit. I don't have any funding. Whatever funds I obtained, I solicited myself through writing letters and. And and uh, out of my own pocket. I mean, um, I didn't have the money of descendants or Brad Pitt or any backing whatsoever. I just set out by the will of God, putting one foot in front of the other. And uh, I haven't even been able to find the time to build my own website for it. But, uh, you know, 15 years is a long time to put a lot of work into something. And it, it just... Um, it really requires, uh, you know, uh, financial backing and so on to continue it because it's quite a task. This year, like I said, I had to uh, convince Fox Searchlight that they needed to bring more than just a trailer, and so they did. They brought segments of the film, and as a matter of fact, uh, Lapita and Yango was there in in person and said how much more doing the film meant to her now that she'd had a chance to actually meet all of these descendants and see some the real history of the man. She was, uh, I believe, quite swept away by it. And, um, you know, I'm glad to have been a part of it. I think it, it could have only been God, because I had a lot of obstacles this year in terms of finding uh, a venue and really, at the, I started to cancel in June at the last minute. Um, um, uh, the uh, department head in uh, at Skidmore uh, uh, booked the filing hall for me, and that was the reason I even had venue because we were turned away from the National Park Service, even though my program, this program. Um, uh, Solomon North Update program, which is a multi-venue program. I usually started a week or two ahead. It entails, uh, you know, book reading, uh, galleries, arts, and that kind of things. I mean, um, we didn't know as of June where I was even going to hold it. And at the last minute, God opened up a door, and I ended up in Filene Hall. 
but uh, uh, the National Park Service awarded me part of the uh, the program as part of the Network to Freedom Project, which is a national project, and I was awarded that uh, designation in 2007. But when I went to the Park Service here, the National uh, the National Park, which is a battlefield park, uh, we were told no. I was told no, I couldn't use that venue. And the current uh, Saratoga uh, Spring City uh, administrators right now, including the mayor, um, they didn't support uh, Solomon North of Day this year at all. It was Skidmore College, which happens to be my alma mater, um, supported me in this, and because they supported it, I ended up having a very excellent venue. I had 250 people, plus around 60 descendants, as I said, some of them meeting each other for the first time. Okay. Well, we at the Gist of Freedom certainly want to uh, congratulate you and the work that you've done and the story that you have uh, brought forth. I think the... uh, Solomon's wife, Anne, her story is uh, very remarkable um, compared, and it's a real story compared to what we sometimes get out in the in the popular media, such as the uh, the Django movie. And uh, but here was a lady uh, so in love with her husband, petitioned the government, um, and petitions were very well used back in the day. Uh, when we think about Dred Scott and others, uh, where we learn to petition the courts. Now, we talked about, I'm, I'm still thinking about this historical building, um, and if we have some listeners who might want to get involved in the preservation, how would they get a hold of you? Um, they can get a hold of me at um, 518 or they can go out to the Facebook page, which is Solomon Northup Day, a celebration of freedom. And my email is T H E M O O R seven eight at yahoo dot com. Okay, because you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about was monuments and markers and museums. Um, now, but you did mention a marker. Is there a marker there? Yes, historical markers at the corner of Congress and Broadway, and it mentions Solomon Northup Day. It's the first time an African-American has ever been so honored in the city of Saratoga Springs. And the North Star Museum, by the way, in All Sable Chasm, um, and uh, my friend uh, Don Papson, who has headed up the North Country um, Underground Railroad Historical Association um, um, started the Osable Chasm uh, Museum that is called the North Star in Plattsburgh area, New York. They also, on another date, um, celebrate uh, Solomon Northup Day at my uh, nudging, because I used to sit on the board of that organization until it became um, difficult for me to go back and forth between Saratoga and Plattsburgh for, for uh, regular meetings. Um, so they are committed as well to. Oh, and did you know that Solomon wrote his own little play called The Free Slave? He wrote a play? He wrote a play called The Free Slave and actually starred in his own play. No, and I believe it's over in Massachusetts somewhere, not in New York. Oh, over so in Massachusetts, have, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and did he have a touring company? No, it was just, uh, from my understanding, just right there with a five-part play that uh, he wrote himself and um, put on. Let me see if I can, I have it posted on my wall here. While you're uh, looking at it, could you forward that to... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Could you forward that to Leslie at leslie at theguestoffreedom.com? Yes. It says here, the Guest of Freedom.com. Okay. Oh, yes, I know her email, but quite well. Oh, okay. Yes, it says that admittance was 15 cents. O.C. Solomon Northridge, the free slave at the town hall. And it would have been, 
it was definitely not New York. It, it um, I'll I'll think of where it was now. It's here. Oh, he's an entertainer he was, and oh, an entrepreneur. Well, he wrote it and starred, and he was very talented. He was a literate man, and I guess he figured he was the best person to play uh, his own part. <laughs> but I want to say quickly that Carol Wilson's book is excellent because it, it specifically talks about the kidnapping of free blacks. And um, until I read her book, it sort of really confirms how prevalent it was for blacks to be stolen for a fee and, you know, this bounty hunting, you know, trading flesh for money and stealing people and taking them into slavery. So, um, Give us the full title of uh, Carol Wilson's book. Uh, Freedom at Risk, The Kidnapping of Free Blacks in America. It is an excellent book for those who want to really see all of the uh, how 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 much that went on in antebellum uh, you know America, and then the um, black men built the Capitol by Jesse Holland. That is excellent because I lived in Washington D.C. and took the tour. I knew about La Enfant not being able to. Um, finished the Southwest Corridor, and apparently Benjamin Backer um, had to step in. He knew how to read the plans and interpret them uh, uh, for the finish of the Southwest Corridor of Washington, D.C., but uh, Mr. Holland clearly has uh, more history about how many black men, slaves, and free actually worked on the Capitol and the White House. So the fact that uh, we have a black president in the White House and um, um, hello and yeah, you know here. yes and uh, I didn't get a chance to read the Peculiar Institution by Kenneth Stamp unfortunately I guess uh, and actually in Solomon's book he speaks of the Peculiar Institution so uh, maybe Kenneth used the the words from. Um, Solomon's book, because it's, excuse me? That's the information that I have is that Mm -hmm. the Holland book and the Stamp book, Mm -hmm. they were influenced by uh, Solomon Northup's book Mm -hmm. and uh, Mm -hmm. and helped inspire them. Also, I'd like to mention to our audience that another book about kidnapping is by Peter Gist Still, and that book is titled Kidnapped and the Ransom. Uh, that okay. talks about uh, blacks being kidnapped and sold into slavery or ransomed into slavery, et cetera. Um, do you have any other events coming up, in a, anything that uh, should be on um, the radar screen? Not that I can think of offhand. Um, my Facebook page, Solomon North, Day of Celebration of Freedom, I try to make that... Um, more than just about Solomon, I try to include um, other events that people send me as a little calendar about upcoming, um, you know, upcoming documentaries and so on that are coming up. I wanted yes. to say quickly, though, in many cases of these kidnapping pre-blacks, that these a lot of these cases were never fully prosecuted because it was the the word of an African of a black person against a white person, and very often it was hard to prove. So, uh, and it was not even taking it taken into consideration in courts because it was a black man speaking. And so, uh, um, in Solomon's he, case, um, they wanted it to try it in New York where he could testify against whites, but the trial was held in Washington, D.C., where he could not. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Is that yeah, correct? it was in Washington City. and But there oh, were some papers filed in Boston Spa, I believe, when he got back here. And the kidnappers, I believe, um, I don't know whether they didn't, no, he didn't show up, so we don't know what happened to him. He was supposed to show up and he he did not uh, appear, so we don't know what happened there. So yeah. it never got prosecuted. But in Carol Wilson's book, she 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 mentions that um, 
uh, abolitionists who were working to try to free blacks, uh, a lot of times they didn't get prosecuted or they got, uh, they took the money awards so that they could accept and pay for legal fees and also use some of that money to assist uh, free blacks in their lives after these cases were over. So uh, in many cases, these people went free with by paying a fine. But that was something, but, you know, <laughs> they were loose again, in other words, to be able to uh, do, uh, continue their dirty deeds. Yes, yeah, so apparently the Vigilance Committee out of Philadelphia didn't get involved in Solomon's case. Do we know? Um, um, I don't know about that, but, of course, they were one of the, the most progressive um, and the most well-known, the Philadelphia, the Pennsylvania Abolitionist Society, as they were called. And apparently they were more than uh, just a, a slavery organization. They went about uh, educating free blacks and, um, and uh, strengthening the uh, anti- uh, they got the Pennsylvania legislator to enact an anti-kidnapping law in uh, 1847. Okay, so uh, before we go, we're we're running out of time here, but I want to oh, get okay. back to the release mm-hmm. of the movie. Now, it's going to premiere on October the 18th. Will there be a a pre-showing or opening in all theaters? How how are we to is there a place where we can see a trailer for the movie? Um, the trailers are out everywhere. You can see a trailer online. Um But uh, I'm not sure where they're going to show it next. Uh, the Black Caucus Government Division had a private showing on Wednesday night that I, uh, um, I guess they, yes, they made an agreement, I guess, with Fox Searchlight to do that for caucus, but it was not open to the public, the general public. And I believe there's going to be something here in Saratoga and in Albany and possibly in Rochester and Syracuse where there are uh, descendants living. So I'm not sure um, exactly, you know, but I know October 18th it should be released to, I believe it's released to the Bowtie Cinemas. So, um, mm-hmm. you so if anywhere near. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Guest of Freedom would be, extremely honored if you could convince uh, one of the cast members and perhaps one of the descendants to come on our show as guests. Okay. Uh, you think that could be uh, made possible? Of course, you can. Uh, you know how to get a hold of Leslie, our producer. Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. I'm going to have to uh, cut it. Uh, it's been so exciting. Uh, we've run over. Um, they're about ready to kick us out this air. Um, okay. My name is Preston Washington. My guest has been Renee Moore, who is the founder of the um, Solomon Northrop Day in Saratoga Springs, and we've been talking about uh, his upcoming movie about his life, 12 Years in Freedom. And, uh, again, I want to thank you, and hopefully we'll have you on again. And um, Well, thank you for having me, Preston. Okay. Take care of yourself. Take care. Okay. Good night, everybody. Good night.